0: This is the Late Round Podcast with your host, J.J. Zacharisa. J.J. What's up, everyone? It's J.J. Zacharisa, the editor-in-chief at FanDuel and at NumberFire.com. And this is episode 407 of the Late Round Podcast, one of many shows that are part of the FanDuel Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. We made it, guys. It's been an anxiety-filled off-season, and this season's going to be a little weird. But we're getting a season, and I'm pumped, and I hope that you are too. For those of you who are new to the show, first off, welcome. But second, this 15 transactions episode each week is what I like to call my brain vomit. I look at the fantasy football landscape, and I talk through players that I'm looking to buy, sell, add, and drop. The analysis is based on regression, schedule analysis, and a whole lot of other inputs to make sure that you're set moving forward. Now, I go out on a limb with some of these transactions, because I think it's necessary to. But as a result, some things go wrong, sometimes in a big way. But the goal with this is to number one, be right way more than I'm wrong. But number two, to learn. I'm very much a process-oriented analyst. And doing this show each week allows me to walk through my process in order to make you a better fantasy football manager. The 15 transactions that I talk through are also on numberfire.com each week. So you can check out the written version over there. But since you guys are listening to the podcast... I also throw a 16th transaction at the end of the episode, just for a little bit more juice. I'll be bringing this episode each Tuesday until week 17. On Wednesday, we'll have the 10 Trends show, Thursday is the matchup show, and Friday is the weekly mailbag. Four episodes per week, all to help you bring home a fantasy football title. I'm ready for it, and I hope that you guys are too. Now before we get into the transactions this week, I want to send another reminder to check out FanDuel's best ball contests. With a best ball league, you get to focus on the most entertaining part of fantasy football, the draft. Draft your team and don't worry about that team for the rest of the year, because each week's scores will be optimized for you. No trades, no setting or lineup, no waiver wire, just the draft. For more details, visit FanDuel.com or download the FanDuel app today. Eligibility restrictions apply by Deontay Johnson I've been talking about Deontay Johnson since January on this podcast because I really, really like him I don't think that this is just hype everyone talks up last year's rookie wide receiver class and for good reason but of all those great rookie wide receivers Deontay Johnson was the one to lead all of those wide receivers and receptions and he did so with very, very bad quarterback play now Ben Roethlisberger is back and the Steelers have ranked in top 10 neutral script pass rate in each of the last four years with Ben Roethlisberger. That means that if and when Deontay Johnson sees a high target share, it should be in an offense that's going to throw the ball at a reasonably high rate. And I think that Johnson should see a nice target share. Since 2011, of the rookie wide receivers that have a target share at or above 15%, 77% of them ended up increasing that number as sophomores. Breakout wide receivers, and I talked about this earlier in the offseason on this show, but breakout wide receivers, they're usually young. They come from ambiguous pass catching situations. We sort of have that in Pittsburgh because what if Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't bounce back this year? What are we going to get from James Washington? And then breakout wide receivers also rarely come from nowhere. Deontay Johnson is not coming from nowhere if he breaks out. He had a high target share last year. I love Deontay Johnson this year. Brian Edwards. Tyrell Williams is on IR. Everyone is going to be very excited about Henry Ruggs and I understand why. He's a first round pick, he's explosive, and he's exciting. But don't sleep on Brian Edwards who's now likely going to be a starter in this Raiders offense. Brian Edwards' prospect profile was actually really good. He had the best breakout age of any wide receiver in this year's class and my model ranked him as an 85th percentile prospect. Now that doesn't mean that much to you guys. I totally get it. But let me give you some context. His percentile ranking is on par with second-round wide receivers like Michael Pittman, KJ Hamler, and LaVisca Chenault. Considering draft capital is an input in that model, that's very, very impressive. I genuinely believe that if not for an injury, Brian Edwards might have been a first-round pick. He's the perfect player to stash right now in fantasy football. Sell Daniel Jones. Now, I think Daniel Jones has season-long upside. I don't mind the weapons in New York, he flashed serious upside in fantasy football last year, he had four top two performances, and as a second year player, he could just improve. I just have an issue with the opening schedule. The Giants start things off against Pittsburgh, a team that's projected to have one of the best defenses in the league, and then they get Chicago, which is another questionable matchup, and then they get San Francisco. If you have Daniel Jones and you're able to just hold on to him through this bumpy part of the schedule, great. But if you're in a league with a shallow bench and lots of quarterbacks on the waiver wire, I'm fine with dumping Daniel Jones now. Buy Jimmy Garoppolo. And one player that you can pair Daniel Jones with is Jimmy Garoppolo. He has the opposite problem schedule-wise to open up the year. The 49ers get the Cardinals here in Week 1 in a game with a 47.5 point over-under, according to FanDuel sportsbook. In the two games between these teams last year, Garoppolo combined for 741 yards and 8 touchdowns. He had his two best fantasy performances against the Cardinals. And then after Arizona, they get the Jamal Adams-less Jets. The Jets might have the worst secondary in football. And then the Giants, Eagles, and Dolphins. None of those teams have top 10 secondaries according to Pro Football Focus. And the Jets and Giants rank in the bottom six. I would not be surprised at all if Jimmy G has a very favorable fantasy football quarterback ranking through this first chunk of the season. Add Divine Azigbo and James Robinson. So Leonard Fournette is no longer on Jacksonville as we know. He's on Tampa Bay. And that opens things up a lot in this Jacksonville backfield. You have Raquel Armstead who's on the COVID list. You have Chris Thompson who's the pass catching specialist. And then you have these two undrafted players in Divine Azigbo and James Robinson. Azigbo is rostered in about 12% of Yahoo leagues right now. James Robinson is at 6%. I don't mind throwing darts at these guys as stashes right now, because both should get some run here in week one. A lot of people are going to side with Divine Azigbo, and I get it. But don't sleep on James Robinson. I talked about James Robinson on this show throughout the offseason, actually. Because he had a crazy, crazy good production profile in college. At Illinois State, which I get is a smaller school, but at Illinois State, he went for over 1,900 rushing yards last year and a 12% reception share. And he had a 53% touchdown share. His athletic measurables aren't very good, but I might prefer James Robinson to Divine Azigbo right now. But add both of them if you can. (laughs) Sell Le'Veon Bell. So over the last nine fantasy seasons... 4.4% of top 10 fantasy running backs have been selected in round 4. And then in round 5, it's another 4.4%. But then looking at the number of hits, number of top 10 seasons versus the number of total running backs selected by round over this time, round 6 running backs have actually produced top 10 seasons at a higher rate than round 4 ones. This is all stuff that I talked about throughout the offseason, especially in that podcast on finding league winners and where league winners come from. Now, I understand you have to take this case by case, but I do think that there is some logic to this idea that RB2s aren't very good in fantasy football. They're not great bets. It's because fantasy managers see all these running backs fall off the board early and they panic. They know that they need running backs. So they reach for running backs and they get bad running backs as a result or running backs with question marks. Now, I like some of those running backs like James Conner, Jonathan Taylor. I think some of these RB2s are fine this year. But this is a big reason I haven't drafted Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Todd Gurley. And Le'Veon Bell definitely fits that. I think there are even more red flags to Le'Veon Bell than some of these other running backs. I'm worried about Adam Gase. There's already tension between Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell. Because Frank Gore was getting a lot of run in camp. And then we have a history of Adam Gase refusing to give the better running back the ball in his backfields. And then I'm also concerned about the offense itself. The Jets tied the Steelers with the lowest touchdown total last year in all of football. As we know, the Steelers had a circus at quarterback. There is some regression coming, but I'm still a little bit worried about the offense in total. And Pro Football Focus ranked the Jets 27th in their offensive line rankings. Guys, Chris Hogan might be a wide receiver starter for them in week one. And then there's the schedule. We want running backs in positive game scripts, but the Jets might not be favorites until November. They're facing the Bills this weekend, they're 6.5 point underdogs, and then they get the 49ers in week 2 as 6 point underdogs. I'm just worried about this environment for Le'Veon Bell, and I would be trying to sell him now rather than later. Buy Deshaun Jackson. I love Jalen Rager, but Jalen Rager is banged up. There's not a lot of alternatives in that Eagles offense for Carson Wentz to throw to. That's a main reason you should love Deshaun Jackson. Remember what happened with Deshaun Jackson last year in week one against Washington? He had eight catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns. He gets that same matchup this week. But I'm also intrigued as to what could happen over the next couple of weeks after this one too. Because they get the Rams next week in what should be a higher scoring game. The matchup isn't great, but points could be scored. And then in week three, they get the Bengals. So these first three weeks for Deshaun Jackson could be great. They do hit a rough spot, but I would try to have Deshaun Jackson to get your team off to a good start. Add Joshua Kelly. So there was a piece from The Athletic about a week and a half ago that said this about Joshua Kelly, quote, he might be having the best training camp of any player on the roster. This is big, you guys. Melvin Gordon is no longer on the Chargers. Last season, his 16-game pace would have gotten him a 63.5% running back rush share. That's now gone. Sure, Austin Eckler is going to fill some of that void. Austin Eckler is likely going to have a career high in rush attempts this year. But there's still been lots of talk about a split backfield, as there should be. So enter Joshua Kelly. He's easily the biggest bodied back that they have. So he could take on some of that Melvin Gordon role. And he could just simply grow into the Melvin Gordon role. What if Joshua Kelly ends up being the goal linebacker for them? What if Joshua Kelly ends up seeing a 50%, 60% running back rush share? I think it's possible. I think it's in his range of outcomes. He's rostered in way too few leagues right now. By Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think both Lockett and Metcalf have insane upside this year. Because they're being drafted right now at their projections. Which makes sense. But their projections are also capturing an offense that's not going to be very pass-heavy. Over the last two years, Seattle's ranked 31st and 32nd in neutral script pass rate. It's almost going to be hard for Seattle to continue to be this run-heavy. And what happens if they let Russell Wilson cook a little bit? That means there's going to be more pass attempts to go around in that offense, and that's a really big deal. Because even last season, Tyler Lockett, before his leg injury, was the wide receiver three in fantasy football. DK Metcalf, as a rookie, had a 20% target share and led all players in end zone targets. Even with Josh Gordon back, both of these wide receivers could eat this year. Add LaVisca Chenault. So Jacksonville has the lowest win total this year according to FanDuel Sportsbook. That's not that big of a surprise. But what that means is negative game scripts. And what that also means is the potential for lots and lots of passes. LaVisca Chenault ranked in the 88th percentile in my prospect model. He's a very good prospect. He's an intriguing prospect too, because he does sort of comp to that Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown type wide receiver. And outside of D.J. Chark, there are no locked in pass catchers in this Jacksonville offense. There's opportunity for LaVisca Chenault to emerge. So I would be adding him if he's on your waiver wire. Sell Mark Ingram. So the Ravens scored 58 offensive touchdowns last year, and that is very unlikely to happen this year. I wrote an article earlier in the offseason on team-level regression, and I'm just going to read from that because I think it makes this point. Of the seven teams to hit that mark in a single season since 2011, so that 58-touchdown mark, none of them were able to increase that touchdown total the following year, and the average touchdown score the following year among those teams was about 47. Now, if you extend that further, we've seen 25 different teams with 50 or more offensive touchdowns over this same time period, so since 2011. And 23 of the 25 watched their touchdown total dip year over year. That's going to have ramifications for Mark Ingram, you guys. ESPN Mike Clay's Opportunity Adjusted Touchdown Metric, or OTD, said that Mark Ingram should have had 4.2 fewer touchdowns last year than he actually had. And it makes sense. Ingram had 30 targets last year, and he scored five touchdowns on those targets. No other running back has ever done that in NFL history. Over the last nine seasons, a running back has averaged 37 targets per touchdown. Mark Ingram was averaging six targets per touchdown. So regression is coming. And then on top of that, you have J.K. Dobbins, who at the very least could steal some pass catching work. And John Harbaugh has already talked about Dobbins having a significant role. Ingram might be fine to start the year, but I think he's a very clear sell right now. By Zach Moss. I don't think it would be shocking at all, as I alluded to in my Bold Predictions episode, if Zach Moss just simply outscores Devin Singletary this year. There's already talk that Zach Moss could be the lead back in this backfield because Devin Singletary can't hold onto the ball. But I just think that Moss could see the more valuable touches for fantasy purposes in the backfield. There are two things that you want in your running back in fantasy football. You want them to see a lot of targets because targets are more valuable than attempts, and you want them to be able to find the end zone. You want goal line looks. You want red zone work. Zach Moss could see both of those things in this Bills offense. He's shown off as a receiver already in camp, and he had a 12% reception share during his final collegiate season. It's not like he can't catch the ball despite the fact that he's a bigger bodied guy, but because he's the bigger bodied player in that backfield... He could see the goal line work. I'm just afraid that Devin Singletary is a between-the-20s player. I talked about that on a mailbag episode earlier this offseason. And as a result, I really like Zach Moss. Add Irv Smith. So the vast majority of you probably feel fine with your tight end entering week one. But if you need some tight end help, if you're looking for a streamer, you could look to Irv Smith. He's only rostered in 16% of Yahoo! Leagues. He essentially produced just as good as teammate Kyle Rudolph last year, and tight ends take a little bit of time to get acclimated to the NFL, but I did that breakout tight end episode earlier this offseason where I laid out criteria that breakout tight ends seem to share. They generally don't come from nowhere. Irv Smith had a decent target share last year, and he has decent draft capital. They're athletic. Irv Smith had a 71st percentile speed score. They tend to be tied to good quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is fine. And they're typically year two or year three players. Irv Smith is a year two player. Without a true clear cut number two option in this Vikings offense, I love Irv Smith this year. Add Logan Thomas. If you need an even deeper play than Irv Smith, you could look to Logan Thomas. He's going to be Washington's top tight end this year. He doesn't totally fit the mold of what I just talked about with breakout tight ends, but he is very, very athletic. And it makes sense that he hasn't done much as a tight end so far in his career because he's transitioning from quarterback. If there's one player who could be this year's Darren Waller, coming from absolutely nowhere, just given the way that these players progressed in their positional journey throughout the NFL, I think that it could be Logan Thomas. Add the Detroit Lions defense. So hopefully you were able to plan ahead for this week one matchup and get a team like Philadelphia who's facing Washington. But if not, and if you really need a defense, I don't mind Detroit. They're facing Mitch Trubisky. The game has a 44.5 point over-under, so that's not very scary. And last year, Trubisky was sacked over two and a half times per game. And the Bears were an above-average opponent when adjusting for strength of opponent. It's not the best streaming option in the world, but I don't mind Detroit. The 16th transaction this week that you can't get in my 15 transactions column over on numberfire.com is to add Malcolm Brown. There was a note from Sports Illustrated that said that Brown could end up starting in week one. And I don't think that's actually that wrong. Daryl Henderson is injured, he may not even play, and Cam Akers is the rookie in that backfield. I also think there's a chance that Brown sees more work than expected in that backfield in week one, and potentially just early in the season. Cam Akers is the favorite to emerge as the workhorse, and I love Cam Akers as a prospect. Akers is the player that you want. But I'm also all about extracting value early in the season. If you can get a player now worth X, who has a chance to be worth X plus one, then you should target that player. I definitely don't think that Brown is going to have crazy season-long upside, but it's the right environment to target, and with the injury that Daryl Henderson's been dealing with, Brown makes for an interesting add just to see how that backfield split looks here in week one. I wouldn't be adding him over the other players that I talked about on today's show, though. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you've yet subscribed to the Late Round Podcast, make sure you are by searching for it pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. Thanks for listening, everyone. Like I said, I'll be back in your ear tomorrow with a 10 Trends episode.